we have suppliers all across the world and the country. I mean, whether we have suppliers, you know, in California or Mexico or China or Vietnam, uh, places like that, India, we have access to suppliers who do a, a ton of different type of items, and some of them are uh, PPE items. So we kind of turned and said, well, how can we help the community out? So basically what we were doing is we were just trying to be a conduit to get people products that were safe because a lot of the products they're getting weren't what they were supposed to be. So we've sold a lot of disposable masks, KN95 masks, three-ply disposable masks, custom masks, cloth masks, uh, washable masks. We've sold Lysol. We've sold wow. hand sanitizers. And we've been doing it basically just passing on the cost, which doesn't make us any money, but it provides a need. Welcome to Jefferson Parish Pulse, powered by Jedco, a podcast designed to showcase the businesses, organizations, and individuals that make up the heartbeat of the Jefferson Parish economy. I'm Kelsey Scram. As we continue our season of spotlighting the Spend Local campaign, we're excited to feature yet another family-owned business. We can't seem to get enough of these kinds of interviews where we talk about passing the torch and carrying a strong legacy in our community. This week, we're featuring ITC4 Promos, or as it was originally called, International Ticket Company. This is a fourth-generation, family-owned business that has been around since 1898. The business has gone through quite a transformation over the last 122 years. Today, their clients benefit from innovative and creative promotional products and advertising specialties to help grow their businesses, and they receive expert marketing and solution-based planning services, allowing ITC4 Promos to become a leader in their industry and a true collaborative partner with their clients. It was so nice to chat with Larry Manchell, the president and fourth-generation owner of ITC4 Promos. We talked about adapting to a changing marketplace and economy, moving the business to Louisiana, and the importance of giving back to the community. Enjoy. Well, Larry, thank you so, so much for being on the show. We are so excited to have you here today. Well, thank you, Kelsey. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. The first question that I've been asking folks uh, pretty much since the pandemic started, the very first question is always, how are you? How are your family and your friends? Thank you. Uh, Yes, it seems to be what we're talking about today. Family's doing well. Thank you. We've been hunkered down like everybody else, but we're we're healthy, knock on wood, that um, we're going to get back to life as normal sooner rather than later. Well, that is great to hear. Glad to hear that family and friends are good. Um, We have a lot of questions here today, so I'm just going to dive right in. want to hear all about your company. ITC4 Promos is a fourth-generation family-owned business based in Jefferson Parish. Can you tell us a little bit about the company? Yeah, I I love talking about my company. (laughs) It it has a very unique history. So my great-grandfather started in 1898 in Rhode Island. I think it was Providence, Rhode Island. And he incorporated in the state of New Jersey in 1917 when he built a 40,000 square foot facility there. Uh, We used to be a union shop, which led us to a lot of government contracts. We've done food stamps and ration tickets. And I have some of the plates around from the the days back in the 1920s and 30s and 40s uh, when all that was going on with rations, food stamps, world's fairs. Uh, it's really interesting. Uh, Chiquita banana stickers that go on the bananas. Wow. The history has been great. My grandfather went into the business. My father ran the business. My father and I ran the business together for about 20 years until his passing. Now my wife and I are partners and my daughter's actually involved as well. So she'll be the fifth generation, which we'll, we'll talk about later. 
Yeah, I, I, I love to hear that. I, I'm always so impressed and appreciate so much like a, a long family history of folks owning and working, you know, with family. It, we've done a lot of interviews for this show over the last year where we've interviewed some of these family owned businesses. And it is, I just love to hear these stories. It is amazing. It's very challenging. There were ups and downs. There was a lot of things I've learned, a lot of things I do differently. And I actually consult with other family business members within our industry, trying to help them not have the same pitfalls that I had, uh, having a succession plan in place, having things laid out in advance of what's expected and what you expect so that there's no foggy lines down the road. And it really would have made it easier. Mm-hmm. The transition was a little difficult in ours, but it's much better today and it's, it's thriving. So we're, we're very happy and, and love being part of a unique group of people that can last the fourth generation and move on to maybe the fifth generation. Although I don't know if she's, her heart's in, in the business, but that'll be up to her. You started as a ticketing company and mm-hmm. now you are more focused around like promotional items and, and marketing. Can you talk a little bit uh, about that transition? Sure. We did a lot of ticketing for many years, which included the carousel at Audubon Park and Audubon Zoo. We've done Jazz Fest tickets. We've done Pell Hughes printing. We've done tickets for Maiden Form, things like that. A lot of the things that we did, movie theaters, don't exist anymore because we have smartphones now. So a lot of that business was falling by the wayside. And I think it was 19, maybe it was 91 or 92, one of our biggest customers who did review courses for the bar exam sent me their spreadsheet promotional products by mistake. And when I asked her about it, she said, do you do that? And I thought for a while and I said, sure, we can do that. Knowing nothing about the industry and quickly got into the industry very fast with a lot of large orders, some done overseas, some done here. Of course, we're focusing more on made in USA products now, but that was really the kicker. It opened our eyes to say, you know, the future is not flat printed continuous forms because everything's going digital. Everything from when you make a a shirt, the piecework tickets they used to use, when you sew on a collar, you would rip off that piece and put it in your pocket. When you sew on a sleeve, you rip off that piece. And at the end of the workday, you turned in your piecework tickets and that's how you got paid per item that you worked on. That doesn't happen anymore. Something comes through with a, a scanner on it and you just scan it, done, and you move on. So a lot of those tickets, that's just one example, but Ticket Tech, all your thermal tickets that you get to go to concerts, even even Saints tickets, we've done Saints season tickets and most of the NFL years ago, we don't anymore. But now my season tickets are usually digital. They're transmitted to me electronically. So that business fell by the wayside. So before getting gobbled up, we had the foresight and the luck to get involved in the promotional markets industry. That's wonderful. And we'll definitely talk a little bit more about that. But before we get too far into that, how many employees do you currently have? Well, that's a touchy subject because in March we had in March we had six. Okay. Currently we have three. We furloughed three people and helped find them jobs, and they're gainfully employed now, which is wonderful. But it was one of the hardest decisions we had to make, mm-hmm. but one of the most necessary decisions we made in a timely fashion, which was spearheaded by my wife, who runs pretty much the entire business. Mm-hmm. Uh, I focus mostly on the sales. She does sales as well, but she kind of gets me in the door with sales people that she meets through networking and and associations and board meetings and things like that. And I kind of closed the deal, but she had the foresight and wherewithal to see the big picture and say, you know, before this strangled us, we need to make some kind of move. And unfortunately, which still stings, we were down to three employees. 
and making the best that we can. We're still, we're still struggling right now. I'm not going to complain because there's a lot of people in this country, in the world that don't have employment and don't have a way to put food on their table. We have a lot of businesses that we work with that what we provide them is for get togethers, mm -hmm. conferences, seminars, meetings, retreats, outdoor concerts, festivals, everything we do is, is geared around social interaction. So we're struggling and we, we've had to move a little bit our business model away from those type of gatherings. And it's, it seems to keep us okay for the time being, but hopefully this will be a short lived COVID, hopefully another four or five months and uh, things will start slowly, safely get back to where we can get out there and actually interact. There's New Orleans is one of the most social places I've ever lived. And it just feels, it just feels wrong not to be able to meet your friends and, and share a drink and, and a plate of food and, and yeah. celebrate. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I a hundred percent agree. And, you know, since we're on that subject of, of COVID clearly your business has been impacted as, as so many businesses have, and you mentioned that you've kind of pivoted a little bit. So how have you pivoted? What are, what are you doing to ad address some of these challenges that are associated with the pandemic? Well, through our longevity and the contacts we've made, we have, we have suppliers all across the world and the country. I mean, whether we have suppliers, you know, in California or Mexico or China or Vietnam, uh, places like that, India, we have access to suppliers who do a, a ton of different type of items. And some of them are uh, PPE items. So we kind of turned and said, well, how can we help the community out? So basically what we were doing is we were just trying to be a conduit to get people products that were safe because a lot of the products they're getting weren't what they were supposed to be. So we've sold a lot of disposable masks, KM95 masks, three-ply disposable masks, custom masks, cloth masks, uh, washable masks. We've sold Lysol. We've sold wow. hand sanitizers. And we've been doing it basically just passing on the cost, which doesn't make us any money, but it provides a need. At least it did for the first, I would say, April, May, and most of June. It was pretty much that's all we were seeing. And now we're doing some more with, you know, custom masks, you know, like Loyola Law School, things like that. We were doing a lot of custom masks for people. But before, with the crisis, we just kind of pivoted to see how we could help and, and get people the products that they need to yeah. to move around safely. And of course, you know, it is, a, it, it's such a challenge. Um, I, I, as you said, I think we're, I hope we are seeing some movement back towards some level of normalcy soon. Sure. <laughs> so I, I want to talk more about the family business. I just love talking, as I've mentioned before, I just love talking to, to family business owners. I just think it's just so wonderful that everybody gets to work together as a family, can you talk a little bit about what it was like to, to carry that torch and, and run with the family business um, from your father? Yeah, it was interesting because right out of school, I graduated from Tulane in 1988 and went into commercial real estate. And of course, 1989 was Black Monday when the market tanked and commercial mm -hmm. real estate was not the place to be for a 22-year-old just getting his feet wet. Sure. So I was out of work and had a car note and an apartment and didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I went and talked to my father and said, you know, what are your plans for the future? You know, what do you want to do? You know, we were manufacturing in Newark, New Jersey and kind of decided, okay, I'm going to come on board and see if I like it. And I started there and I liked the industry. I liked the creativity and I liked interacting with people and being able to go out and meet them and show them what we could do and help them achieve their marketing goals and the, the products that they needed to help their business succeed. After that, 
we kind of morphed into, again, into the promotional products and just became a lot more fun. You know, instead of getting three-part continuous forms or tickets to let people into an event, it became, well, how can we brand your business? How can we form a strategy that works, that targets your demographics, that targets the people that you want, that you think will be most interested in the products that you provide? And it's just grown from there, offering graphic design services, offering uh, return on investment feedback, you know, what's working, what's not, let's sit down, let's discuss it. It just became a lot of fun. The generational thing was a little bit hard because his entire career was flat printing and it was ticketing and it was the sports industry and it was the garment industry and it was things like that. And that was just not where the growth was going to be. So getting him to be open to my movement was tedious and strenuous at times. It ended up being when we moved down to New Orleans in 2003, I would say 75 to 85% of our business was printing, just mm -hmm. flat printing. Uh, now it's totally the other way around. 85%, 80 to 90% is promotional products, silk screening, embroidery, anything that we can put your logo on. It includes direct mail pieces, postcards, presentation folders, things like that, stuffed animals, whatever, mm -hmm. uh, is that end of our business. And that's where the growth is going to be. And honestly, that's where the fun is. I mean, when you walk into an office and you have a business card, there's no big cheers going on. But when you walk in there and you have an unbelievable water bottle or a tumbler or a, a backpack, everyone wants one. Everyone wants to see how it turned out. Everyone wants to see it. They want to use it. They want to try it out. And that, it just makes it more fun. You know, we, we all have to love what we do and morphing over from the flat printed products that run a business to promotional products that can inspire growth in your business and help increase the visibility out in the community about what you can do in your business. It's a whole different ballgame. It really is. You mentioned that you were up in New York, New Jersey. So what brought mm -hmm. you down to the New Orleans area? Well, what do you think brought me down to the New Orleans area? I don't know. Your <laughs> wife, probably? Exactly. So <laughs> okay. my wife was born and raised in New Orleans. All right. And went to Mount Carmel, went to Loyola University, and we met in Hoboken, New Jersey in 1989. And we were married in 1991. Uh, 1992, April of 92. And after... We, we had took a while to have a child and we had our daughter uh, in 2001. She just looked at me and said, we're moving back home. And I said, mm -hmm. I love New Orleans. I'm, I'm ready any time. And so we did 2003. We packed up and we moved back. We certainly never looked back. I mean, this is our home and we love it. And uh, but that's how, you know, everyone says that the girls always move home to mom and dad. <laughs> and we certainly did. Yeah. That's really funny. I was not really sure what the exact answer to that question was, but you, I've heard from a lot of people that they've ended up coming back down because um, <laughs> their wife or their husband wants to be close to family and because they love this area. Oh, yeah. um, I actually um, am originally from, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'm drinking out of my Steelers mug this morning, <laughs> but, uh, but my husband is from down here and um, I actually had moved down here to follow my parents. They were in Baton Rouge for a couple of years now they're up in Tennessee, but yeah, I met my husband and then fell in love with new Orleans, fell in love with yeah. him not in that exact order, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know it's such a wonderful place to come. I mean, it's, I use the analogy, which might be generalizing, but you know, when you move into the house in New Jersey, your neighbors will come over and be like, Hey, you know, nice to meet you. We have to get together. And three years later, you haven't gotten together. <laughs> and when we moved into our first house down here, I didn't know these people. They were showing up with food, they were showing up with lawn chairs. You know, they wanted to hang out and help me unpack the boxes and feed me at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's just the whole culture. It's just very friendly, you know, and it's across all boundaries. 
you know, I have people from all backgrounds that are friends of mine. I have people with less and more than me and mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. And that's very unique to this area. And I love yeah. it. I love this area too so much. I'm so glad you're here. We love that you're in Jefferson Parish. Um, so your so your wife uh, encourages you guys to move down here, and now um, you guys are both running this business together. Um, you talked a little bit about this, but this is a, a woman-owned business. Um, yes. She she runs the majority of kind of the, the the most of the company, and you handle a lot of the sales. Can can you talk about? What that, what that dynamic is like and, you know, kind of the different roles that you each play. It's, it's taken a while. You know, we've been doing this together. She's been with the company probably 12 to 13. We don't know exactly when it started because she's always been part of the company. She's sure. always listened to me. She's always given me advice and motivation and strength and, and direction. Now it's just official. You know, she's the, the CEO and she's half owner and she runs everything. I mean, she takes care of everything. She product knowledge, everything from the vision to, you know, the three, five year plan, the one, three and five year plan. That's what she loves to do. I mean, she runs the books and she also is part of networking groups and, and organizations that bring us business. And I really enjoy selling and getting out there, meeting people and, and getting to know the product. Uh, so that's really what I focus on. So it's a good team. We kind of know what each other does and we, we talk about it all the time, pretty much. 24 hours a day, which we're trying to get away from, but it, it's worked well. I mean, it's still, it still takes time and we're still working on different things. We have another crisis now with COVID where we're, mm -hmm. we were growing and we were up about 20% in 2019 and, and we're going to be down this year. Like most people in our industry is down, I think uh 16% to 20% overall, mm -hmm. but you know, we're ready for it. You know, she's very well thought out, very well planned. And she's already, I mean, we had the EIDL and the PPP money right away. I mean, she was on the phone with, with our banker at Fidelity before they even know what the rules were. So he had to call her back and say, you know, I, I'm not going to know for a couple of weeks. And then we got the money right away. And without that, I don't know what we would do. That's, that's really made a difference. It really has. How was that process for you? Well, thankfully with Fidelity Bank, they made it very easy. Uh -huh. Very easy. I can't say enough about Fidelity. And we had just geared up for growing the company, you know, hiring new people, getting new people in-house, in graphic designers, more sales. And unfortunately, it just tanked. April was probably the worst month revenue-wise that we'd ever had, probably since the 1920s, which probably was a banner month, you know, because it was a lot of money, but it was really difficult. So, you know, having the wherewithal and the, the big picture vision to help save us and the EIDL, the EIDL money, which, uh, we got, I think, in July, allows us to get our legs under us until next July when the first payments do at a ridiculously low rate. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty much what we're living on. We're trying to get back to the point now where we're actually profitable each month. I think last month was the first month we were profitable. So we've drastically cut expenses and we're, we're living as thin as we can, uh, still trying to live comfortably, uh, but making the cuts necessary to keep the business alive. So that idea of money is what's keeping us up right now. So as long as we can keep that money where we borrowed it with profitable months, we should be fine. And I think that leads me into a question. Jedco has put out in partnership with some of the other local business organizations around the, the parish, we've launched this campaign called Spend Local JP, where we're really trying to encourage our residents and our businesses to spend their dollars locally. 
Can you talk about how important it is to your business to be supported by your local community? I mean, is most of your, your business um, from down here or do you have people from all over the country who are using your, your products? Well, that's a great question and I'm glad you brought that up. We have clients from all over the country in Central America, I think because of the longevity of, of our business mm-hmm. and what we used to do compared to what we do now. So we have mainly our core group of clients are within 200 miles of Louisiana and their promotional products clients. Our printed clients that we do forms for and, and ticketing and other items are out of the New York metropolitan area and the West Coast and then sprinkled throughout the rest of the country, maybe a few in Central America that do clothing manufacturing. Mm-hmm. But for us, what we're trying to do is we're trying to use local decorators and local people right here in Jefferson Parish so that when we embroider and silk screen that we're using someone right here in our backyard because that's the one thing we don't do is we're not going to decorate uh, in-house. It just works better for us and we have a better business model where we don't have that overhead and we can, we can send that to someone who needs the work. So local business is extremely important to us. Jefferson Parish is extremely important to us. Uh, and I know I want to touch on that because we were in St. Tammany Parish for a few years when we came down here mm-hmm. and it's a whole different world. Um, Jefferson Parish, it's very communal. It's very much has a strong business community and they really support each other. You know, we've noticed that we track almost everything. My wife tracks almost everything. And it's remarkable to see the difference in price per order, you know, what the, the sale price is per order, the average order between New Jersey, between St. Tammany Parish and Jefferson Parish, where your first order with people is probably 10 times higher in, in Jefferson Parish. And I think it's part because they understand the value that we bring to the table mm-hmm. and they may not have their own marketing department. Some of the bigger clients like HCA and Tulane Medical Center uh, and Chevron companies that we work with, they have their own marketing department. We still provide a service for them. But a lot of the interim, intermediate companies, whether they're the law firms or the, the banks, might not have their own marketing department. They might have marketing directors, but they're not going to go create the, the collateral and create the layouts and the virtuals to try to bring a product to life and to bring a, a promotion to life and bring a strategy to life. So I think they understand that, Jefferson. I think there's a lot of strong businesses that really appreciate the value of what we can bring and the benefit and the return on investment that we provide. Well, we love to hear that. As the economic development organization in Jefferson Parish, we love that our businesses are happy to be here. And um, I mean, that's that's really great news. And we do. I mean, I, I, I think I'm biased because I work for Jedco, but our, our business community is just absolutely fantastic. It is. And Jedco is a great organization and not enough people know what you provide and the services that you do. But yeah. Jedco has a, has a big voice out there. They definitely do. You know, I'm, I'm on the chamber board and, and Jerry has a seat on the board and he always gives us an update. And I was in Jefferson leadership and Jerry came and spoke to us and Jennifer was, was part of the class. And I took Norley last year, although it was interrupted halfway through again, Jerry spoke again. And, you know, so it's, it's, he's there, he's, he's out there and hopefully it can be disseminated through those organizations to help everybody here know the help is there if they need it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I love that you mentioned Jerry and Jennifer. They really, both of them, I feel like are just out in the community all the time. I'm fairly certain that Jerry doesn't actually like sleep. <laughs> like he just, he's like, go, go, go all the time. He's a really yeah. great ambassador for this organization and everybody knows him and everywhere we go, anywhere we're all together, everybody knows Jerry. So it's, oh, yeah. 
24 yeah. seven. He's out there. I mean, yeah. he's the face. He's the face of Jetco, and he's doing a wonderful job as the face of Jetco. You mentioned this um, that that you had done some work during COVID to to help bring masks and to get hand sanitizer and things like that. But you you really are a philanthropic organization all the time. I mean, you you have a give back program that I think we should definitely talk about. I mean, it's it's really wonderful how much you care about this community that you're you're operating Thank in. You. Thank you. Uh, it is important to us. I mean, from my youngest years and from my wife's youngest years, it was always a point of giving back to the community, not just monetarily, but through your time and volunteering, whether it's planting trees or being on a board or donating product. We have a gives back program that gives back 10% of the overall value of the product. So that if you're a corporation, say you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, there's the cup again, yep. you're Pittsburgh Steelers and you're supporting an Alzheimer's walk and they want to order t-shirts and they order through us and it's $1,500. Well, $150 of that is going to go back to Alzheimer's in their name, you know, wow. from ITC for promos, part of their ITC gives back program. That was one of our programs and we weren't happy with enough money that we gave away. There was just wasn't enough visibility there and there was a little confusion. And so we're working on something else that's, that I'm not ready to announce yet, but it's going to be something that supports women owned businesses. And we're trying to build something up so that we can give micro grants to people that are starting women-owned businesses that might need some money to tweak their website or even create a website or to have a month or two of salary to bring someone on who might take a while to get their sales in order to start bringing revenue into the company. So that's something we want to do. But also, I think part of being the community is buying local, trying to source product made in the USA, which is extremely important now. And we work a lot with B Corps, people that have specific environmental and labor rules so that they can be protecting the environment. They can be, the labor laws in foreign countries are not what we believe in, mm -hmm. as well as you know protecting the water we drink and swim in and bathe and things like that. So there's a lot of stuff out there that we can do as a community to make it better for us. And just by shifting our focus to work with preferred suppliers, who are part of this B Corp movement, uh, it can help make a difference. So that's what we're trying, we're looking, and that's my wife's board to me, she loves that. And she's always been a volunteer and gives back, and we're researching as much as we can to find suppliers that use product that aren't dyed or bleached and doesn't return to the environment, that don't use plastics and don't, yeah, everything you can imagine, the labor laws, and I really think it's important now. I mean, we're a much more socially conscious community, and I respect that. So that's, that's another way that we're trying to give back. That is just fantastic. And I read about your give back program and how, you know, some of that money would go towards these different charities. But I, I didn't really realize that you were so focused on some of these environmental issues and, and things like that. I, I just, all of that is so wonderful. It is. It's, you know, B Corp is probably something we're not going to be able to attain. It's a rigorous, rigorous test for these companies that have to have transparency and testing and all sorts of rules and regulations. But the least we can do is try to find suppliers mm -hmm. that adhere to those things. Because if we're not, you know, I'm not creating the drink where I, I might be, you know, I might logo on it and personalize and put your name on it, but I'm not gonna physically manufacture this tumbler. So mm -hmm. it's gotta come from somewhere. But where's it coming from and who's making it? Are they 13 year olds somewhere else in another country? Are they extruding plastics and putting the waste back into the environment? These are all things that, that 
I think the average company doesn't really look into too much, mm -hmm. uh, as much as they should. And it's out there for you. You just have to look at the information. I know the other day we were shopping for stuff and we're looking back to like, you know, made in China, made in China, made in China. It's like everything, you know, you have to be diligent if you're trying to find it. I'm not knocking China, but honestly, between you and me, I'd like to source it somewhere else. And I'd like to really source it domestically. Mm -hmm. uh, and that means, you know, I might lose some bits with people because if you're sourcing it domestically, it might not be as cheap as overseas. Right. But I think the people that I want to do business with respect that and don't mind if it's 10% more uh, for a product, but it's made domestically, it's helping everyone. I mean, when you use a local business, I'm not, don't quote me on this, but I think 75 to 80% of the money that you're spending locally goes back into the local community. Yeah. When you're buying from these big box companies or going out to dinner at a chain, a franchise that's all over the country, like 20% of that goes back into the community. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think if more people realize that, yeah. Everyone will be happy. Everyone yeah. will be doing better. The middle class will be doing better. And they're going to get their money somewhere else, these big corporations. They don't need us buying everything from them. Right. Absolutely. And that's actually a big uh, pillar of the campaign that we have launched, um, the Spend Local JP campaign. We have an infographic on our website, uh, which we will link to um, in, in the show notes and in the, in the blog uh, a little later on. When you're spending locally, those dollars are going back into the community to improve quality of life. It's for infrastructure, it's for roads and drainage. I mean, it's, it, and it's creating jobs and, and investment in our community. I mean, there's, there's really no downside to spending your dollars. No, there's no negatives at all. You're reaping the rewards. Personally, you're getting benefits from it. One, I'm a local business. So, you know, if people felt more like I did, instead of going to four imprints or some internet company to buy a Tumblr, they would use me and actually spend, usually it's the same. Usually it's exactly the same because they get you on different things between shipping and setups and all that mm -hmm. stuff. But, you know, it means something to me. I have, I have some very loyal companies that, that work with me that have been working with me 70 or 80 years and I treat them fairly. So, you know, if it's fair for both people, it's a good deal. If one person's taking advantage of the other, it's not so much. So we try to do it fair and we try to, our, our markups pretty much across the board, whether you're ordering a $50 order or a $50,000 order. And it's just, it's worked for us. And it's, it's helped us stay in business for 122 years. You have all of these beautiful core values. You're giving back to the community. I know you had mentioned that um, your daughter has joined the business as fifth generation uh, family member, business owner. What does she think of all of this? Do you think that she will, will want to stay in the business? That's totally up to her. I mean, I would never force anyone. I mean, it was left up to me. And part of the, the deal with the company moving forward was that you had to have at least two to three years of outside employment before you can just roll into the company and take your place at, at the table. Mm -hmm. With her, she was very interested. Of course, you know, she likes clothing. So that was a big deal. And she was selling a little bit and going out and trying to bring some business in. And we had her in here learning the product and learning the processes and, and helping us with fulfillment, things like that. So she got a feel for the business for the last two or three years. And then we decided, you know, we wanted to really make it a women-owned business. So we wanted to gift her some shares, and she did. She has 2%. My wife and I share 49% each. Mm -hmm. uh, so technically, we're women-owned, but we haven't gotten a certificate or certified yet, which we're going to be working on moving forward. She, right now, is a freshman at TCU, and she loves psychology. I'd love her to follow her passions. I don't know where she, whether she's going to go to med school to be a psychologist or whether she's going to be a therapist or her original goal was to be a 
hostage negotiator with the FBI. So you never know. She's minoring in criminal justice right now, but she's her, her mind waffles back and forth on what she wants to do. But That's fair. Uh, if I had a recommendation for her, stick with philosophy and follow her heart and take a few business courses because it's always good to know business because even if you're not in business, whether you have to do your own accounting or your tax returns or you're applying for loans, it's very important to have that knowledge. But it's really, it's up to her. I mean, she loves the business. She's already asked what she can do over there to try to try to sell because she, she's got the bug, but we're not forcing it on her at all. I think that's great. Um, and you know what's so funny is all of these, like I said earlier, I've talked to so many people who are part of these family-owned businesses and all of them say the same thing, which is that they never jumped right into the family business after college. They all had to go out and have other jobs first, yeah. which I think is so interesting. It's important. I mean, you yes. have to have a sense of reality before you come in and, and take your place, which a lot of times is towards the top. And we really feel you have to earn your place at the top. You have to have to make that decision. But it is, um, you know, when I came to work at ITC, it was a different time, you know, and I had gone out and I was involved with commercial real estate and things like that. It was really kind of in my blood. You know, I really, that's what I wanted to do. And it was interesting to me, but it's different now. It's totally different. We always, my wife and I said, there's no way we're going to continue this with, with our daughter because mm -hmm. it, we went through some really hard times and some big family issues and like a lot of family businesses do. But now that it's my wife and I, and we kind of solved that through processes, procedures and, and designated her roles and my roles and the roles that we share, it's made it so much more peaceful and enjoyable that it could be a path for her, but it has to be her path. It has to be her choice. And of course I'd welcome her in with open arms, hopefully so I can retire and go, go fishing. But uh, it's really, it's really up to her. I really think that's a great approach as both a business owner and a parent. So that's, that's great. Well, let's talk a little bit about what is on the horizon for ITC. I, I know that things are kind of tumultuous right now, but what does the future hold, do you think? The future is going to be great. I mean, we just have to get there and we just have to have faith, uh, which we do. We have three employees and we're hoping to start growing again, but we're doing it slowly. Mm -hmm. We have to imagine that the, the, our community is going to get back to normal, hopefully at the beginning part of the year. Our community needs to be socially interactive. I think that's what we thrive on. I think there's more damage going on right now with drinking and divorce and stress and anxiety and mm -hmm. things like that, suicide, unfortunately, mm -hmm. and not to belittle COVID because it's extremely serious and we have to take certain precautions, but we also need to move on and get our economy going again and end the lockdown. And I think when that happens, we'll have a bigger, bigger picture. If we have... I can't tell you how many events that we deal with that are indoors and outdoors, hundreds across the country. And I think we've had one that remained open because outdoors and was limited to 200 people. Mm -hmm. So it's going to get back to normal and it's going to get better and we're going to grow with it. We're going to do what we have to do to, to stay in business and, and keep providing what we've been providing for years. You know, I just hope that, that it really opens up, you know, restaurants have been a core customer of ours for years, especially in the New York area. And they're really struggling and we're trying to do whatever we can, can to provide them with a means to increase their business, whether it's takeout bags or we have a new bag that's tamper evidence. So you can kind of 
crimp the top, seal it. It's a, it's a craft bag, a brown craft bag, and you put the to-go order in it. So if someone's delivering it for you, you know they haven't stolen a French fry or drink and it drank out of your drink. And that's very popular, very popular. Uh, so we're just trying to roll with it and see what we can do again to help the companies that have kept us in business for so long deal with what's going on now to make their, their company stand out a little better. More people are going to order from a restaurant when they have tamper rapid in delivery bags than a company that, that doesn't. At least I feel that way. Yeah. So, you know, like everybody else, we're saying our prayers and we're staying strong and, you know, it, it'll, this too shall pass. Absolutely. I think that's a great, like, hopeful message for all of the business owners and folks who are listening to this show, too. I mean, it, it really is something that, as challenging as it has been, it is temporary. What's the alternative? I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. you know, I'd be doing no one a favor, my wife, my daughter, my family, my parents, my kids, you know, whatever. You're, you know, you've got to be positive. You've, yeah. you've got to realize that this is a one in a hundred year storm, kind of. You know, this, this has never happened before. We've had other illnesses come through and it's, it's been scary, but it, it hasn't been a total lockdown and shutdown of our economy. So I hope I never see this again, but you make the best of it and you move on. And, you know, we have our Zoom conferences where we're holding a glass of wine or in my case, uh, bourbon. <laughs> and, you know, you see how your friends are doing. You check mm-hmm. in with them. Zoom conferences is like the new Facebook. Truly. And friends. And I mean, I've never... I've been on three Zoom conferences prior to 2020, and I think I do three a day now. So it's, it's I hate saying the new norm or pivoting to something else because that seems to be the terminology, but uh-huh. it's going to get back to normal. You know, yeah. it's just going to take some time. And we just have to keep being patient, uh, not be patient, but keep being patient. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you'd like to share that I didn't ask? You know, I can't think of it. Again, I, I love what Jetco does. And I love Jefferson Parish. We're, we're very happy to be here. I remember when we were contemplating where to have our office. I know we had spoken to Cynthia Lee, who was councilwoman at that time. Mm-hmm. And she was like, no holds barred. She's Jefferson Parish. I mean, that's where it's got to be. And we appreciated the honesty and the information she gave us. And, and we have no regrets. I mean, my office is literally three quarters of a mile from my home. I couldn't ask for something. I was commuting temporarily from our home in, in Metairie to the North Shore to our office. Mm. And I was working about 65-hour weeks with drive time. And now I'm working about 35-hour weeks. That's 30 hours a week of my life back. So besides not knowing what to do with that extra time, <laughs> it's wonderful to have that extra time in case you need it. So, I mean, we, we just love it. Well, again, we are so, so happy to hear that. We're so happy to, to have you on the show. This has been such a, a pleasure and a delight. I, I've learned so much. I really always love to talk to business owners who I haven't had the opportunity to, to meet before. So this is really, has been really nice for me as well. And I know our listeners will really enjoy this. So just thank you so much for, for your time. My pleasure. I really appreciate it. I mean, I feel like it's an honor to have that little 30-minute spot uh, it doesn't go to everybody, so I do appreciate. I wish everybody, you know, stay safe, stay healthy, stay socially distanced, listen to the scientists, and uh, you know, we will all get together again somewhere in the near future. Thanks, Kelsey. A special thanks to Larry for taking time out of his busy schedule to be on the show. We will share links to the ITC4 Promos website on our podcast blog. Podcasts can be found in the newsroom at jedco.org. 
As we continue in phase three of recovery, JEDCO is here to help businesses navigate through the COVID-19 pandemic by providing valuable resources and information on our website. You can visit us at jedco.org. We've also launched the Spend Local JP campaign to encourage residents to spend their dollars locally. We have a great site with many different ways to elevate our small local businesses from being on this podcast to featuring them on our blog to promoting them with yard signs. You can visit our website at spendlocaljp.org. If this is your first time tuning into the show, there are plenty more episodes where this one came from. Our episodes are released on Thursdays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you stream your favorite shows. If you like our podcast, please feel free to leave us a rating or review. Those reviews help others find our show and listen in. We share links to all of our episodes on our social media platforms. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Jedco underscore news and on Facebook at Jefferson Parish Economic Development. Again, you can also visit our website at jedco.org. If you have feedback about the show or if you'd like to recommend a guest, please email me at ksgram at jedco.org. I absolutely love to hear from you. As always, thank you so much for listening. See you back here next week.